0: hola mi gente what up my people my name is pastor rich cologne i'm the lead pastor here at santos church broadcasting to you live from southwest detroit michigan wherever you're listening from i'm glad that you are listening this podcast is meant to do one of two things and that is either bring you our message content or it's content that we thought would enrich our message content We'll have more information at the end of this episode on how you can get connected with us either in person, online, or on social media. But for now, thanks for listening to this podcast. Gracias para escuchando este podcast. And let's get into it. Vamos. All right, so over the past couple weeks, uh, we've been jumping into the book of James. Um, if you need some more context on that, uh, we have the Santos Church podcast up. James 1 and James 2 are live right now. Make sure you check those out. Today, we are jumping into two chapters. We try to, try to break it up to where we're doing like a chapter a week when we go through a book study. Um But this one has five chapters, and so we did uh, James 1 the first week, James 2 the second week. This week, we are going to tackle 3 and 4, so that way next week, we can focus on James chapter 5. So a little bit of context, if you need more than this, like I said, refer back to the podcast, but a little bit of context, the James we are referring to here is believed to be the James, who is the blood brother of Jesus Christ himself, James the entire time that Jesus walked the earth did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. What converted him, we're told by the apostle Paul in scripture, is that he saw Jesus resurrected and seeing his brother, Jesus resurrected brought validity to everything that, that he said and spoke about, which is kind of another like example or metaphor for the entire, uh, thing that we're getting to the heart of when we are going through the book of James, right? The book of James where our, our kind of punchline for it is don't just talk about it, be about it, right? Um, our our words by themselves don't show anybody our, our true belief or exemplify real faith. What does that is when our actions line up with our words, right? So, our actions bring validity to what we say. And that's exactly kind of the testimony of James. The action of Jesus resurrecting brought validity to what Jesus preached about the entire time he was on this earth. And so it it, it caused a light bulb moment for his brother James. And now he starts to believe. He believes so much that he went from not believing to believing uh, so much that he was actually martyred for his faith. Uh, we are told in church history that James is pushed off the roof of a of a of a high building. Uh, upon hitting the ground, he does not die, but he is alive. He's immobile, as you could imagine, after falling off of a large building, and. The people who push him off the building now stone him to finish the job. So just let that speak to you as we are going over this, that this is written by somebody who did not believe. So if you're struggling with belief, if you're struggling with some of the things that you've heard Jesus say or read that Jesus says, and you're like, Man, I don't know about that. James is writing from from the same perspective. He was in the same boat. And then after witnessing with his own eyes his brother Jesus resurrect after being crucified, now it's like, wait a minute, this dude is my brother, but he's not just my brother. He's everything he says he is, and that means he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And so in James chapter 1 and James chapter 2, he starts kind of planting the seeds of the heart of what he wants to get at over these five chapters, which are a letter to the church in Jerusalem, of which he was a pastor. Um, And so the more and more as we lean into this letter, the more he gets to like the heart of what he wants to say. But the common theme throughout the entire book of James is that, is that your words essentially carry very little weight if your actions don't bring validity to them. In other words, don't just talk about it, be about it. In other words, we need to see you living out what you preach about, right? And so this week, like I said, we're jumping uh, in even deeper to the book of James. We're going over two chapters. And the, the focus of these two chapters for James is that people can see your authentic faith in your heart people can see your 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 motivations that you have in your heart right where you where you keep your faith the things that drive you and motivate you people can tell the authenticity of those things by two things they can see it in your words and they can see it in your will what do you talk about how do you talk how do you interact with people verbally and what is your motivation? what What do you will yourself to do? what What do you take part in? What do you uh, what are you passive about? What are you passionate about? right? So James in chapter three focuses on words, and in chapter four, he focuses on our wills. Um, Chapter three, we are not going to spend a ton of time in uh, today just because we actually did an entire series that included a lot of content from James chapter three. If you want to hear that, you can go back on the podcast as well. That series was called Words Create Worlds. It was all about words. And uh, like I said, we pulled a lot from James chapter three to address that. So James chapter three is about our words. Chapter four is about our will for today. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a passage from chapter three and a passage from chapter four that are kind of going to be your key verses, your key uh, passages to kind of sum up the heart of those things. Um, Just if you need a little tidbit to go back to, or you're making notes uh, to keep in line with weeks one and two, I've given you key verses. So today I'll do the same thing, but they're going to actually be passages that sum up um, the chapter since we're doing two chapters and since um, the chapters are a little bit more focused now that we're deeper off into the letter. And so there's everything you need to know for today for James chapter three, James chapter four. We are looking at our words and we're looking at our will. Okay. So I'm going to read straight through chapter three and chapter four. We're going to unpack it a little bit um, and then we will be on our way. So if you're following along. Uh, or if you're going back to make notes later, <clears throat> find these passages later, uh, we are going to start in James chapter three. So here we go. James chapter three, verse one. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all have many mistakes. I'm sorry. We all make many mistakes. There you go. <laughs> for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Okay, so that is uh, the bulk of the, the direct talk about our words that is uh, also mainly our uh, passage for, for chapter three. So your key verses for chapter three is what we just read, chapter three, verses one through 12, okay? And so here's essentially what James is saying from this. Like I said, we're focused on our words and our will. James is saying, essentially, out of the overflow of your heart is what comes out of your mouth. So what is most potent in your heart is gonna come out when you talk. And so if you want to check your heart, check your words. If you want to 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 know what people hear from you, like the underlying tone and atmosphere that you create when you when when people are around you, what they hear from you, then then check your words. You want to check your heart, check your words. Okay, here's uh, verse thirteen on into the end of chapter three. 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, by doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. If you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Strong words from James, uh, verse verse 16. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and, and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and it is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap harvest of righteousness. Reap a harvest of righteousness. So in verses 1 through 12 of chapter 3, he's talking directly about your mouth. If you could tame your words, if you could tame your tongue, then, then you would have enough self-control to, to, to really take a hold of every other part of your life. That's how hard it is to watch your mouth, right? Right? And then he goes on and gives it some practical application in verses 13 through 18. He's like, yo, if you really understand God's ways, then prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works. And then after that, verse 14, he says, but if you're bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, how do we cover that up? We cover up the truth with boasting and lying. Both of those come out of our mouth. So it's a direct callback now to the previous scriptures that we just read. So if you have bitterness or jealousy or selfish ambition in your heart, what will come out is boasting and lying, and covering up of the truth. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and James Ethan says, demonic. Demonic. That's those are tough words. It, I, I think last week we uh, I I said that several. Uh, theologians or scholars, people that unpack the book of James. In my reading, more than one has called the book of James a sweet gut punch because it's it's truth. It's so real. It's so potent. It's so applicable to our daily life here and now. But it's also like some hard stuff to hear. It's like, yo, if you're talking like that, man, like that's not only is that wrong, that that's like that's demonic, like. Those aren't things that are godly, and if it's not godly, what is it is what what James is saying. In other words, he's saying, yo, you should have such a high standard for the way that you conduct yourself around others, it should mean so much to you that not doing it has these kind of serious implications, that if it's not godly, then what is it, right? Right? And so you can see from that whole chapter, really, James is saying in that whole chapter, there's there's some other one-liners in there, other tidbits in there about, again, good good works, good deeds, living out an honorable life if you really uh, understand your faith. He says, if you're wise and you understand God's ways, prove it by living it out. Again, so it's 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 back to the heart of what he's saying. If you believe, prove it. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. But, but. The big picture chapter three is about your words being able to be a window into your heart. And if people hear you talk, ultimately people will be able to get a decent gauge on what is going on inside of you. What you're feeling, what you're subscribing to, maybe what you're concealing, and it's only kind of leaking out here and there in little comments or passive aggressive uh, ways of talking. But people, after enough time, we'll start to know really what's going on. So you want to check your heart, check your words. Chapter four, this is about your will. That was your words, here's your will. The two windows into our heart for other people and really for ourselves, our will. Chapter four, verse one, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want to get what you don't have, so you scheme and you kill to get it. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it, and even when you do, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God? I say it again if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Pause here. So, what he's saying here is if you, if what again, what's coming out in your life is a direct result, it's a derivative of what is going on inside your heart. So, if you're having quarrels and fights with people all the time. You can't get along with people and you're always like, oh yeah, it's their fault. Or oh man, yeah, you know, I, I just don't like how that person is and yo, I don't roll with people like that. And like that that like we don't we don't always have to be buddy buddy with everybody, right? But but more to the heart of it is like yo if that happens regularly for you the common denominator can't always be other people or the other person. A lot of times it's us. And James right here is saying, if you want to know what causes those quarrels, those fights, those disagreements, that conflict, that 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 friction, what what it really comes from is the evil desires that are at war within you because you want something that you don't have. So it, so it comes out of you and the way that you talk and the way that you act, the way you 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 interact with other people, those are all just evidences of really what's going on inside of you. You have this war at, going on inside of you that's pushing you and pulling you and, and you're jealous or you're bitter or you lust for things and that is manifests itself in the way that you cannot salvage a relationship or the way that you're always having conflict with somebody, the way that you're always taking issue with somebody, the way that you gossip, the way that you handle yourself in your words, in your will, really that's a result of what's going on inside of you. It's not always them. Maybe look at yourself. And then he says, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it, but even if you did ask, you probably wouldn't get it because your motive is all wrong. God isn't going to give you these things when your motive is not rooted in something that is good or pure or loving or godly, right? Like he's not just going to reward you with things that are bad for you. Because you only want what will give you pleasure. And in verse 4, he comes on real strong and he says, you adulterers. He's not calling people that because he knows what their, what their intimate habits are with people. He's not just looking at people going, oh, you cheated on your husband. You cheated on your wife. You're an adulterer. What he's saying is you're committing adultery on God when you say that you believe in him, but your actions are otherwise. You're committing adultery to God when you say that you love him, but you're willing to to go and act all kinds of crazy and you're, you're willing to step over people, you're willing to compromise this faith that you say you have in order to get what you want because you're lusting after something so much that it's causing you to act that way instead of loving God so much that it's causing you to act this way. You're an adulterer because you're essentially cheating on your faith in God because you've idolized something other than God. That's deep. Then he says, "Don't you realize that your friendship with the world makes you an enemy with God?" Again, the, I, I hear a lot of people, and frankly, a lot of pastors saying, "Oh, we're 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 not friends with the world, and we don't associate with that. We don't listen." Just just because somebody's not in church doesn't mean that they're quote unquote part of the world, and that way we can't love them or or, or commune with them or be how, like we didn't see Jesus live that way. That's not what that means, right? It, what it means is that there's a system, an underlying system, like at work in the world, right? And, and here, that's what James is calling the quote unquote world. Man made political systems, the flaws in the justice system, the school to prison pipeline, right? Like racism and, and all these different sexism and all these different things, those are the quote unquote world. And when you pursue things, that are results of those things, you are befriending the world instead of following the heart of God and honoring the way God says things should be done. And you cannot have both. You can't be a direct beneficiary of the sinful ways of the world, quote unquote, and claim to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. To be a citizen of one means that your citizenship Take superiority over the benefits that you could get just by saluting a different kingdom. This is what he means here. Now, verse five, do you think that scriptures have no, the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him and he gives grace generously as the scriptures say, but God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Verse seven, so humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. A lot of us like to use this as, oh man, the devil's attacking me, and the devil's doing that, and the devil's doing that, right? Like, here's the reason why the devil won't leave, because the it literally, James literally says it right there. The spirit that he has placed within us, he's given us his Holy Spirit, And then he literally says right there, if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. All you have to do is put your foot down and say no, and the devil will leave. Put your foot down long enough and those temptations will leave. The reasons why they keep coming back is not because God's trying you. It's not because the devil's trying you. It's because you keep saying yes when you should say no. But if you start resisting, it will flee. That's just, that's just, that's just, okay, that's just extra. Okay, let's move on. So, come close to God and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. In short, some of us need to spend a little bit of time in the weight of the things that we should not have done. Some of us should, and and, and I'm not exempt, myself included, we should Make it a practice that when we have gone wrong or gone astray or done, right? Like the, there's a lesson to be learned that we don't just glaze over it. We don't just move. Oh, God's gracious. There's grace for that. So let's move on. Like, yes, that is true. But James is saying, hey, instead of laughter and just moving through things, instead of just rushing straight to the joy, humble yourself. Let there be sadness. Let there be sorrow, Learn from this, feel the weight of this so that it doesn't keep coming up. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Verse 11, don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters, because if you criticize and judge each other, then you're criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. That speaks for, I'm just going to let that talk for itself. Your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you or not. <laughs> 12. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone is the power has the power to save or destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Some of us need to stop looking at everybody else and look at ourselves. Myself included. 13. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we're going to go to a certain town and we'll stay there for a year. We'll do business there, make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and then do this or do that. Otherwise, you're boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. That is not the last verse in the chapter, but it's the last one I'm going to read for now because I actually want to end the message today with the final verse in this chapter. And so your key verse, your key passage for this week in James is James chapter 4 verses 1 through 10. my, My little synopsis for that passage is our wills are rooted to whatever our heart is filled with right? So your motivation, you're going to be motivated by whatever's most prevalent in your heart. So if it's self-centered and motivated by your own gain, you're going to do some things out of pocket in order to get your way. When your actions show that your will is to put others first, then there's evidence that the Holy Spirit is working in you and through you. And others can see that as well. So if you put other people first, man, then, then, then we see that through your will to do so, God is working in you, but if if you're constantly doing things to push people aside, to, to m- mistreat people, just to get ahead, just to get a little bit more for yourself, we can justify it any way that we want, but ultimately what it shows is that we are motivated by something that isn't godly. So take a moment. Here's, here's what I want you to do this week. Take a moment, do an honest evaluation of where you may be at, right? Like this isn't just for other people to look at us and go, oh yeah, their faith is real, their faith is not, right? Like nobody's perfect, and that needs to be said. There's some days that I just run off at the mouth. I think I've said this before, but I'm an Enneagram eight, so I can get a little, a little choppy with my mouth. And God, the Spirit of God will humble me. The Spirit of God will convict me. And I've had to apologize many, many times. This is still true today. Nobody's perfect. We're going to have really great days. We're going to have really bad days. The hope is that more times than not, we reflect Christ in our words and our wills. But for you, take an inventory. Just so this past week, ask yourself, how, how do I talk? How, how do I interact with people? What attitude do you give off with your words? Who's benefiting from your words? Who's hurting from your words? And likewise, inventory your actions, your motivations behind them. What what are you chasing? What is your motivation? What are you pursuing? What are you willing to do to get your hands on whatever it is you're pursuing? Who are you willing to go through or go around or run over to get these things? And what does that say about our motivation? These are thermometers. And the thermostat that sets the temperature on those is our faith. And if our faith is on point and we are reflecting the things of Jesus, we'll be able to see that. But if we're not, and we need to recalibrate, we need to adjust the temperature, then our faith is where we need to go as well. What I wanted to do this week is, I, like, I, ha- I have, like, I'm young, right? Like, I know that. I'm a young pastor. And pastors need pastors. Any pastor, I don't care how old you are, right? Like, old pastors need pastors, right? Like, we, nobody's exempt. And I have a pastor that pastors me. He told me, he said, man, listen... You need, to, you need to make sure that you are sharing things that happen in the life of the church with the church. You need to celebrate with your church. You need to elevate things. You need to spotlight what God is doing. And when you're in a series talking about faith meeting action, then when those things happen on the church, don't just preach about it. Tell stories of faith meeting action of where you're seeing the scriptures come alive around you. You're, the people in the faith community are not just talking about their faith anymore. They're not just kicking around the message notes and trying to dissect it and, and learn it better for the sake of head knowledge. Tell stories about when this stuff is coming alive, when, when you're seeing people put action to their faith. Tell stories about that. And so what I want to do uh, for the final part of this message, I'm going to switch it up a little bit this week. I do have one more verse to read you, and that will be kind of the challenge that I'll end this on. But I want to share with you, just in this past week of lo- alone, literally from Sunday to Sunday this, this morning, I want to share with you some of the things that we have witnessed that I myself has, have witnessed just in this past week alone. So here we go. So we had a brother that goes to church here at Santos who had been living in a car, right? Has not slept on a bed in months and months and months. And we first, first thing that like really cool, been praying for that brother to get somewhere to stay. And now they have somewhere to stay. They don't got to pay for it. They just do some, some, some repair work around the place. And then they get to stay there for free. That's the first part. Second part is We had a couple from the church just have an extra bed that they were able to bless his brother with. So now, after not having a bed to sleep on for months and months and months in the course of just this week alone, now our brother has a place to stay and has a bed to sleep on. It's winter here in Michigan. And so like it's literally the difference between sleeping in your car in the snow, freezing, or... Sleeping in a house that has heat on a soft bed with pillows and blankets. Being able to lock your own front door, like, right? Like at night. Like, that's a miracle. Next one, we had the opportunity to give away meals for Thanksgiving. We were able to partner with another church uh, in a suburb near Detroit that helped us out hooked us up helped us get our hands on some groceries turkeys pies sides rolls butter the whole like the whole spread we were able to give away 20 thanksgiving meals to families in our community we had amazing team members from Santos, drive out like 30, 35 minutes, load up their cars, bring those meals back to this community. we were able to get in contact with 20 families who needed meals that we were able to give meals to for Thanksgiving. Tonight, we have a community Thanksgiving dinner where we are inviting literally people that just, that don't even call Santos their home church, may not even go to church. Who know? They might not even believe, I don't know. Like they, I don't know where they're at with that stuff, but the, the goal is to fellowship and build community and relationship with our with our community, right? And so we are having a community Thanksgiving dinner tonight where we will see people from all over our neighborhood gathered together for a hot meal prepared by amazing people who do call Santos Church home, where we are able to be the hands and feet of Jesus to our community, Uh Another thing, a couple from our church, I called them, talked to them on the phone. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, hey, actually, we had the opportunity. There's a family that uh, lives right up right up the street from us, did not have the opportunity to go to the store to get groceries, so we are at the store grocery shopping for their family. Another thing, uh, last week we had someone share with us about a pretty serious health condition, and myself and uh, Pastor Drew were able to lay hands on them, and pray in faith that Jesus would bring healing in their body. That's just in the past six days, and that's just what I've seen with my own eyes, not even considering what you guys have probably seen with your own eyes. This is just some of what I've seen, but this is literally what it looks like. We had a whole series called Kingdom Come, like God's kingdom coming on earth, us living in an extent of it now, and as much as we can on this side of heaven, this is what God's kingdom coming is all about. This is faith meeting action. This is how Somos Santos, this is how we are Santos, right? And you better believe that people see that. It testifies to them about the heart and soul of this church and its people. So every time your faith meets action and someone witnesses it, It testifies to them the reality about what we believe in and who we believe in. It communicates to them that we believe that Jesus is alive and that Jesus is alive through our actions. And it communicates to them the possibility of the reality that Jesus is still alive working through people on this earth and that he loves them. So let us not squander those opportunities. That's what the book of James is all about. That's why our faith needs to meet action. Let us not talk about this light that Jesus is only to extinguish that light that we set with our words to extinguish it with our actions. So I leave you with this. Take that inventory. Look at your words. Look at your will. What do you see of your faith in that? And what could other people see of your faith in that? And like I said, I want to leave you with the final verse from chapter 4. James says this in chapter 4, verse 17. He says, remember that it is a sin to know what you should do and not do it. That, That talks for itself. James 4.17, remember that it is a sin to know what you should do and then not do it. Let that not be true of us, of our faith. Let us know what we should do and let us do it. Let us not just talk about it, let us be about it. Help us to, God, help us to train our words and our will on you so much that. You are reflected when we talk and when we act. Jesus, help us to show you to our communities, to our coworkers, to our families. Help us to communicate the reality of who you are, how you love, how you serve. Help us to communicate that, yes, with our words, but with our actions as well. So that others might see you, have a chance to know you like we do. Jesus, help us to not just talk about this faith. Help us to be about it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Santos Church Podcast. We hope that you were blessed by what you heard today and that it moves you towards action and greater faith in Jesus. If you'd like to connect with us more, you can find us online at santoschurch.org. And that's also a great place to give if you'd like to contribute to the ministry and our mission here in Southwest Detroit. If you're on Instagram, you can connect with us at Santos Detroit or Facebook, and it's facebook.com santoschurchdetroit Santos Church Detroit. If you find yourself in the Detroit area, we'd love to have you in person Sunday mornings at 11, 1953 Military Street. Either way, hablamos pronto. We'll talk to you soon.